Good morning and greetings to each of you in the name of Jesus. What a wonderful song to end on there, Philip, as we think of the name of Jesus. Well, it is good to be with you all this morning again. I talked to Riley last Sunday. He said, wow, this is a big group of people here. He's not used to teaching that many people. I said, well, when I come back here to Marystown, it reminds me of back in the day when we were here every Sunday. Just like to uh, just call you to... Uh, Pray for us. Uh, we're looking forward to a week of Bible school. The last week of July, we are planning to have a week of Bible school, followed with uh, what we call Fun Night and Night of Music. We have uh, Garment of Praise is coming Saturday night. We're going to end Bible school with a tent in our backyard. We uh, took down a house and now we have a backyard and Lord willing we want to set up a tent and the whole block will hear what we're singing about. So I don't know how the response will be in the community but we're hoping and trusting that it can be a blessing to everyone. So pray with us as we plan and prepare for a week of Bible school. We may need teachers and uh, we'll uh, Looking forward to that. Also, pray with us uh, for the next coming school year. We are looking for a teacher for first and second grade. El Emily Whitmer has taught uh, two years, served us well, and uh, we were blessed by her service, and we we're looking for a teacher. So spread the word, whether Facebook or however, I don't care how. <laughs> spread the word, and we're praying for a teacher. Also want to thank you for those of you who prayed for me through my illness. I was struggling with uh, a virus. They said I had a virus and it was uh, three to four weeks of sickness and three to four weeks of recovery. And that was hard for me, but uh, the Lord taught me a lot of lessons through that. Um, not eating and sleeping well for two weeks, I began to wonder if I would ever recover. And uh, the Lord has been good. We met together and we prayed and they laid hands on me and, and I did recover. Last Saturday I ran a race. Uh, they call it a 5K race, three miles, which was difficult, but uh, my strength is back and I praise the Lord for that. This morning's message is entitled, The Dangers of Apostasy, and it ties together with the Sunday School lesson we're, we're going to hear, again, of the importance of hearing and responding to the Lord. I, I didn't see this all coming together, but the Lord did. And I'm going through the book of Hebrews, and I'm going to draw the uh, text from Hebrews, very difficult verses in chapter 6, but the more I studied this, I uh, began to see that there is a danger in falling away. I struggle with a few titles, the danger of apostasy, growing or dying, 
spiritual midgets um, or reaching a place of no return. And so I chose the dangers of apostasy and, and I'm going through Hebrews. There's four warnings in Hebrews. The first one is in chapter 2, 1 to 3, and it's neglecting your salvation. Salvation needs to be maintained. And I will say this, I am also, uh, I have a friend in town who is influenced strongly by Calvinism, and I'm going through these studies together, and he's convinced that these warnings are not for Christians, and I said, we're going to study the text. We're just going to look at the Bible, and, and if you get through those uh, verses in Hebrews 2, 1 to 3, it's very clearly for Christians. Salvation needs to be maintained. Right? It does. And the second one is found in chapters 3 and 4, but primarily in 3, 7. It says today, if you hear God's voice, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Or follow the example of Israel. Only two entered into the promised land. Only two. And if you get through chapters 3 and 4 and you do not see a warning for Christians, you need to read it again. Because it is clearly for Christians. Beware lest you become hardened in your heart and follow the same pattern of unbelief like Israel did. And we heard about that in our Sunday school lesson this morning as well. The third one is in chapters 5 and 6, 5.11 to 6.12, and that's where we will be looking this morning. And that was is the danger of apostasy. And then chapter 10, 26 to 39, is shrinking back, uh, drawing back or believing to the saving of your soul. And they're all very serious warnings, clearly directed, I believe, to Christians who have received salvation. And I would encourage you, if you take the time, to look at all four of those warnings and open up the text and look at them carefully and uh, apply them. And that's what I want to do this morning. So the, God, the, the Bible is the word of truth. I was touched uh, yesterday, was at the funeral service of Brother Isaac Gaiman, and he was uh, a good man, served the Lord well left an impact upon many lives, including my own. And he was, uh, his Bible was in the casket with him, and he was a man who loved the Word, loved to preach. And Brother Jeff Brubaker said the last time he preached at Living Waters, I came through the line in tears and just told him to preach the Word, keep preaching the Word, the urgency that he felt. And uh, it is so important and now he has gone on to be with the Lord, and the work continues on. So we need to preach the word. The first verse in the book of Hebrews starts out with, God in times past spoke through the prophets, but hath in these last days spoken to us through his Son, Jesus Christ. So today, Jesus is speaking to us today through the word and through many ways. Chapter 2, verse 1 starts out with this. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should slip away from them, slip away from them or let them slip. But the, I, the picture there is moving away. And 
then, of course, the, uh, the warning of neglecting so great salvation. Chapter 3, verse 7, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. God will speak to you today, not tomorrow. And today is the day of grace. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. So hearts can become soft and pliable and receive the word and good things happen when our hearts are right with God. But we're to be aware that we can harden our hearts and go our own way. And so now we're moving into chapter 5, verse 11, and turn there for the danger of apostasy. I'm going to read the verses, and then we're going to try to open them up. 511, and in the ESV Bible, the heading is uh, right here, the dangers of apostasy. So I use that uh, title, and it starts here, and I want to... Uh, look at all of this together, and I believe this is where the theme starts. Chapter 5 of Hebrews, verse 11, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing your dull of hearing. There you have this hearing again. For when, for the time, for when the for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles and oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. For every one that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even to them who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. Therefore, because of this, therefore, having the principles... I'm sorry, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection or maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God, of doctrine of baptism and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they should fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh off upon it, and bringeth forth herbs, meat for them by whom it was is dressed, receiveth blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. But, beloved, we are persuaded of better things of you, things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. I'm going to stop reading there. The warning of apostasy. I have three points. And the first one is a growth problem. The second one is going on to maturity. And the third one is falling away. And I believe you can see that clearly in the text. The first one is clearly a growth problem for Christians. 
And my friend just kept arguing with me and saying, no, this is not Christians. And I kept saying, but read the text, the plumb line, like we heard this morning. It's very clear. We're growing or we're dying. And that's what it says. There's three growth problems mentioned in verses 5, I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 11 through 14. The first one is dull of hearing. The second one is uh, they're still in need of a teacher. And the third one is that they still need milk. Three growth problems, and they are problems. Now, it was interesting to me as I was reading through the book of Hebrews, but this chapter over and over again, verse by verse, word for word, trying to open up the meaning of the text and not take my own ideas into the text, but rather read it for what it says. And what the writer of the book, we're not sure who wrote it. It seems to me like it sounds like Paul, but he says in chapter uh, 5, verse 10, that uh, Jesus is our great high priest, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered seeing your dull of hearing. Now what he wanted to say is, I want to tell you so much about your high priest, Jesus, who was ordained of God, and he is a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And he said, in my own words, he's saying, you don't care about hearing about that. You don't even care. You're dull of hearing. And I thought to myself, how much do I know about Melchizedek? And so I'm going to leave an assignment for Leon and Steve and Lester to dig into that and preach from Melchizedek. But I'll humbly confess that I never took too much time to dig into that myself. But the great high priest reading through Hebrews has given me a new appreciation for Jesus, not only as my blessed redeemer, when you pray to God in Jesus' name, you Picture in your mind Jesus, this great Redeemer, and this great salvation that we have, so much better than the Old Testament law. And you can also and should also picture Jesus as your great high priest. He's a great Redeemer, blessed Redeemer. We sing of the song, Blessed Redeemer. Up Calvary's mountain, Jesus walked weary and worn, facing for sinners, Yes, he is a, provides a great salvation. He is a great redeemer, but he is also a great high priest. And every day you wake up, he is longing to hear from you. He's seated at the right hand of the Father in heavens, in the heavens, the throne room of, in the heavens. And he serves as a great high priest over the house of God. And chapter 4, we have the great invitation to come boldly into the throne room of grace. And there, let your request be made known. So he is a great high priest. And I think that's what he is saying here. When you study the order of Melchizedek, you can, he is a key figure in understanding Christ's priesthood. So when you read chapter 7, you will see that Jesus 
came as a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, which is an eternal priesthood, and uh, not after the Levitical lineage. So Jesus is a great high priest. And uh, it is helpful for all of us to picture Jesus Christ seated upon the throne room at the right hand of the Father, and he is serving his church, the body, today, and interceding on behalf of the church, and he's interested in your life, he's interested in what you're going through, he cares about your pain, he cares about your sorrows, he cares, he is connected to the body, and he is the head of the body, and that blesses me to come into the throne room by faith and get to know my great high priest better. Second problem is that they were still in need of a teacher. First one is mentioned as dullness of hearing in verse 11. Verse 12, for when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again. The first principles of the oracles of God. He says that uh, the time you ought to be teachers. So there was clearly a growth problem. And how much, how uh, great the need for teachers is, it is uh, a blessing when teachers uh, teach clearly the truth of God's word and we can come together and leave a service like this being taught. Many Sunday school teachers this morning taught Sunday school classes, and Brother Kurt taught all the men, and he taught us things that I remember, that uh, about the plumb line, and uh, not only the plumb line, but standing upon a wall built by a plumb line. And I, I appreciated our Sunday school lesson this morning, the voice of the prophet and the warnings that he sent and many things that we've been taught this morning. So teachers are so important, but teachers need to be developed. And uh, we are growing in our walk with God. And when we grow in our walk with God, with the ability to teach others grows as well. And it is beautiful to see people growing and able to communicate uh, what they've learned and what they believe and to do it effectively. And that's what the writer here says, at the time you ought to be teachers. So there was some time that went by and they were still in need of a teacher. Now, there's a a man in Shenandoah that I became friends with, met him in, in town, and he was uh, asking me a lot of questions. We connected, and, and he invited me to his house. His name is Aaron, and uh, he has a lot of knowledge, and he was asking me, you know, what would we be looking for at our church? He, would, he has a desire to teach, and he asked uh, another church in the area, the pastor, who was a woman pastor, if he could teach in their church. And she told him that uh, he needs to, to go to seminary and get a couple, some degrees. And he was offended by that. 
go to seminary and get some degrees to teach, to be able to teach in your church. And he asked me, what would we require? And, uh, and I said that we teach by example. And I said, I would be more concerned about how you live than what you know. It, it is very important how you live throughout the week. And when you learn to walk with God and you're a disciple of Jesus Christ and you're growing in your walk with God, you're, you're teaching as well every day of your life. And so that is, uh, I believe, some of the foundational things that we'll look at in chapter 6. But teaching by example, we don't speak great things, we live them. So when God is working in your life, it is a natural experience seven days a week. You have opportunity to teach everywhere you go by your life. I believe our lives can be uh, the greatest preachers, the way we live, but we also can communicate and talk with other people as well. As you experience Christ, you can share Christ, and, and the deeper your experience, the deeper you can share, and so it's a growing process. I believe we're called to teach at home. Deuteronomy 6, 7 says, Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and thou shalt talk of them while thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. So there's great opportunities to teach at home. Every day you can teach by the way you live, by example, and there's a proverb that says you're to bind them around your neck and, and they should go, the law should go with you everywhere. I love the picture in, in early church in the book of Acts where they couldn't keep quiet. And the religious leaders of the day were offended and they tried to stop this... Uh, new teaching that was going through the area. In Acts 5.28, the religious leaders said this, saying, did we not straightly command you that you should not teach in his name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. In Acts 5.42, and daily in the temple in every house they ceased not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. I love the picture reading through the book of Acts, and I believe that's what we should be like. Everywhere we go, we're filling the town with the doctrine of Christ, and we're speaking the words of Jesus. We're living for him, but also speaking. And I, I like that. They were saying, just stop. Just stop teaching in his name. Stop. And they said, we cannot cease teaching. They did not cease to teach and preach Jesus Christ. The Great Commission, Matthew 28, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So there you have the picture of going into all the world and teaching all nations. But it's coming back to the need to teach. Now I, I do recognize there is a gift of teaching. If, if you study the spiritual gifts, one of them is the gift of teaching. And I admire those that have the gift of teaching. I do not. That's not my primary spiritual gift. 
but you uh, see the teachers, they're, they're skilled in, in uh, their teaching methods and reading and outlines and, and all of that. Uh, it comes natural for the spiritual gift of teaching. But I believe here we see that every Christian should grow in their ability to teach others and move beyond the, uh, the, the simplistic teachings in the Bible into the deeper things. That's a process that uh, we are growing in. The third problem, he says, they are still babies in need of milk. So there you see spiritual midgets. They're born again, Christians still on milk, years after they're born. Spiritual infants are expected to drink milk. It doesn't matter what age you are when you come to the Lord, you need milk. 1 Peter 2 says, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word. So babies need milk. It is so important when babies are born that they receive milk and they receive nourishment. Adults need solid food and meat. You know what happens if you remain on milk all your life, you're not going to develop right. So the problem here is that they were living on milk. One translation says that uh, everyone, verse 13, everyone that liveth on milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. So it's not the problem of babies starting with milk, but it, the problem is clear. Living on milk. Everyone that is living on milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for they are a babe. And so it is very important to move into the meat and the deeper things of God and to develop and grow and mature in our walk with God. Spiritual infants are expected to be pupils. We do not expect spiritual babies infants to be the teachers, but they're to grow into teachers and uh, to develop into people that can communicate truth and share it with others. Verse 14, meat and the solid food belongs to them that are mature, of full age, even to those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now you have the picture of exercise. By reason of use, that means that we are habitually in the Word of God, digging deep in the Word of God. We have a diet that is good. The Word of God is, is uh, changing our lives. It's a powerful, as Hebrews says in four, Hebrews 4, the Word of God is powerful. And it is able to discern the thoughts and the intents of the heart, dividing soul and spirit and so on. But this is something that needs to be 
happening in our lives. So the question for all of us to consider, how is your prayer life and how is your Bible reading? Do you really have a strong appetite in the morning and the evening to dig into the Word of God? Is this exercise happening not only Sunday morning, I'm blessed when we have good teaching and good preaching and we leave being fed, feeling like we're fed, but it is also our responsibility ourselves. We have the Word of God. We have the privilege to have 20 Bibles, right? They're readily available. And sometimes I ask people in town, do you have a Bible? No. Do you know where to get one? Yes. Well, will you please get a Bible and start? And uh, one man said, well, I did start reading, and someone said I was reading the wrong version. And, and uh, anyway, he gave up, and he didn't have a Bible. Well, here it is very clear that when we have meat, we are developing a, uh, a sense of spiritual discernment, which is so important. We have our senses, our inner senses, spiritual senses exercised and trained to discern good and evil. And do we need discernment in our day today? We need discernment. We need to uh, test the spirits and try the spirits to see whether they be of God. Point number two, moving on to maturity, chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the, principle, the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us move on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God, of, doc, of, the, doctrines, of the doctrine of baptisms and laying on of hands and of the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Moving beyond the foundations, the elementary things. Again, chapter 6, verse 1 starts with therefore, and it connects 5, verse 14, the strong meat and the deeper things are those, belong to those who are into, moving into maturity. And we have our senses exercised to discern good and evil by this uh, training and this exercise. So therefore, because of this, let's move beyond the foundational things. Foundations are very important, but we cannot remain on the foundational things. That's what he's saying in verse 1. Repentance and faith refer to your conversion experience, baptism, and laying on of hands refers to church life. And then resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment refer to prophecy, simple prophecy. So let's look at these three. First of all, conversion experience. Foundational to your conversion experience is repentance from dead works and faith of faith towards God. Very foundational, but very important. When someone 
comes to the Lord, they must understand these two things. These things must be taught clearly. We must experience these. These are foundational things. If a person has never experienced repenting, which means turning from a life of sin and changing your mind and your heart and placing your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you cannot be saved outside of that. That's very foundational but very important that a person understands the weight of their sin, understands how lost we are without Christ. doesn't matter who we are, we are lost without Christ. And step number one is repentance and faith. They go together. Secondly, well, I should say this uh, yet on that, I hear so many times people say this to me, well, I ask forgiveness every night before I go to bed of all the things I do. And that's not wrong. I, I think uh, someone has explained it this way, that when I live my life, I do not habitually live in sin and known sin. In other words, I don't go through the day sinning and at the end of the day just asking forgiveness. But rather, we have a thorough experience of repentance and we are committed to God and we're growing. Now, we all make mistakes. None of us are perfect and so we're growing. But to carelessly live in a state of Sin, repent, sin, repent, sin, repent, and never get over sins is not moving beyond a foundation. That foundation should be laid firm and clear, and we all through our life we grow and we make mistakes. We come back to God again and again and again. We move to higher ground, and we commit ourselves to living for God and walking in the Spirit. I like to consider 1 John 7 fits better to my understanding, and that is if you walk in the light. Here's a promise. If you walk in the light, the blood of Jesus continually cleanses you of your sin. So if you walk in the light, you're committed to God, walking in the Spirit, walking in the light, the blood of Jesus is cleansing you all day long. And if you make a mistake and you respond in an attitude that is from the flesh, you God will point that out to you, and, and you, uh, you just continue to grow. And that's how we become great men and women of God, walking in the light. Church life, there's many people that say, I don't need the church anymore. You have baptism and uh, laying on of hands. I love to baptize. New believers, I love to baptize those that have committed their lives to Christ and be involved in baptisms, laying on of hands where the leaders get together and lay hands to ordain and anointing with oil and those kinds of things. And then prophecy, uh, resurrection of the dead. There's many people that question, I get questioned all the time whether you believe there's an afterlife. I don't believe that. But this is foundational. This is simple things that we need to move on into uh, the 
deeper things of God. Moving into spiritual discernment. We are living in days where the line between right and wrong is disappearing. I am amazed and alarmed at uh, young people from town I talk to and they tell me about their video games that are being played today. Fortnite. And I don't even remember the name of the other one, but I was working with uh, a young man from town and we're working for me and we're driving together and he's on his phone and he's starting to play a game and I'm driving listening and soon he's talking to someone and I'm listening and and soon they're playing hey where do you want to go and oh, let's go in here to school and they're playing this game together and he has no idea who he's connecting with and I'm just listening I says who are you talking to I have no idea you have no idea. And then he's playing around. Yeah, we're just playing a game. And suddenly, oh, sorry about that. I got blew. And they blew him up and whatever. And, and I was watching and listening. And this is the common games of the day. Fortnite. And many of them. I could go on and on. And I cannot even follow all the things they're listening to and watching. And I said to this young man, look, if you're going to commit your life to the Lord, you're going to have to leave a lot of this trash. But some people tell me that these things are right at the door of some of the Mennonite churches. And I say, what? Really? I have no proof. But I'm talking about spiritual discernment, the ability to discern good and evil, a clear line between the kingdoms and the power to choose and do what is right is so important. Moving into spiritual discernment happens when we're trained and we have the word of God, a healthy diet in the word of God. Isaiah says, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Moving into spiritual depths, we cannot settle for mediocrity. We cannot remain babes living on milk, but let's go on to maturity and the deeper things of God. Lastly, falling away. The serious warning is in verses 4 through 9. And these are difficult verses to interpret, but I believe when you look at it in the context, it makes, uh, it fits in this context. For it is impossible, verse 4, for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they should fall away to renew them again to repentance, seeing they have crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame. Very serious warning here of falling away and falling into apostasy. After a person has experienced, and this is the controversial verses that I had a, a long discussion with my friend. 
I see this as uh, verse 4 talking about Christians. Once enlightened, once have tasted the heavenly gift, and were made partakers of the Holy Spirit. That's pretty clear there. And have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. And his comment was, that's just tasting, is not experiencing. Well, partakers was a little harder. Partakers of the Holy Ghost. To me, it's very clear in the context, it's those that start and experience and have the foundation in place, but then make a return and go back further than what they came from. And Peter talks about that, and I believe we have other scriptures that talk about willfully going against uh, what we know is right. The Greek word there to fall away, if they shall fall away, it's one Greek word. And it has the idea and the meaning of those who have fallen away. And it's not in a context or the uh, setting of those who are falling away. But those who have fallen away and walked far away from what they experienced and end up at a worse place than what they started is really what uh, this verse is saying. If you look at the Greek word. If they should fall away or have fallen away to renew them again to repentance see, seeing they have crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. And so what I want to present to you this morning is that uh, there's a place that I don't think we should even get close to the line of falling away to the point of no return but rather grow in our walk with God and rather just Little by little, step by step, growing in our walk with God, and you will never get close to that place. As the scripture says here, we should leave the foundational things and move on, and that's where we have our senses exercised. We are growing in our walk with God, and we're not willfully sinning and moving toward apostasy. Verse 7 and 8 is very clear as well. It says, For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it, and bringeth forth herbs for them by whom it was dressed, receiveth blessing from God, but that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burnt. Now, those of you who planted crops and gardens, how wonderful it is when rain comes, and the ground drinks in the rain. That's what this verse says. The ground is drinking in the rain sent from heaven, and the farmer has prepared the soil, and the, the crop grows and produces herbs, meat for them by whom it was dressed. And we can go to the garden and pick strawberries. We can go to the garden and pick vegetables and we can be blessed by what it produces. But if you go to your garden after that, planting and preparing the soil and all the rains and all that comes up is thorns and thistles, you will get your mower out and you'll mow it down. And that is the picture here. God saves every Christian to bear fruit we are to be fruitful in his kingdom and we are to bear fruit. And when God's spirit and God's word 
are uh, working in our lives, that will produce a crop of fruit and we can be growing into blessings for God and blessings to other people and the rains which come from heaven produce more fruit and more fruit and God is working in that way. So we're saved to bear fruit. And in verse 9 he says, we're, I am persuaded better things of you. And that's, I would like to end with that verse right there. I am persuaded of better things from you this morning. We can all together connect with God, grow in our walk with God, and produce uh, a crop that is a blessing to God. And so in conclusion, you're either growing or dying. I believe that's safe to say from the text that you're either growing or you're dying. And I want you all to be growing. In my own life, I want to be growing. Children at the age of one year old most times begin to walk. It, you can count on it. Nine months is early, 14 months is a little late, but in that window, under proper development, children begin to walk, and I love to see it. I'm so excited for our fourth grandchild, and uh, it is so exciting to see them develop and to grow. And now Ezekiel, he's starting to run and wonder. He came up to our house one day, and his mom and dad weren't around, and so that's development. As Christians, we want to grow. The third warning in Hebrews is apostasy. The first step in coming to the Lord is by hearing and also growing. We hear and we respond in faith. Faith comes by hearing. And so when we grow, we can move from milk to meat. We can also grow in our spiritual discernment, discerning good from evil. We can grow into teachers and have the ability by God's power and grace to teach the word of God and to carry it to the world and to others. And when you are growing, you will not be dying and you will not be moving toward apostasy. So Lord, bless you as you apply it to your life and let the Lord do great things in your life. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the word and the way that you work and move in our lives. Salvation is such a blessing and such a gift and such a, a life-changing experience. And I pray to get, that we together this morning would all respond to uh, the way that you work in our lives, to the, what we've heard this morning through our Sunday school and singing and worship time and through the message. I pray that we would respond to that, apply it to our hearts and lives, and leave this service better equipped, more prepared to serve you and to follow you as you lead us. We pray and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.